chapters twelve to sixteen book one volume one of la mort de arthur this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by crystal layton la mort de arthur volume one by sir thomas mallory book one chapters twelve to sixteen chapter twelve and so within a little space the three kings came into the castle of Bedegrain, and found there a passing fair fellowship, and well beseen whereof they had great joy, and victual they wanted none. This was the cause of the northern post, that they were reared for the despite and rebuke the six kings had at Carlion, and those six kings by their names get unto them five other kings, and thus they began to gather their people. And now they swear that for weal nor woe they should not leave other, till they had destroyed Arthur. And then they made an oath. The first that began the oath was the Duke of Cabinet, that he would bring with him five thousand men of arms, the which were ready on horseback. Then swear King Brandagoras of Strangor that he would bring five thousand men of arms on horseback. Then swear King Clarence of Northumberland, he would bring three thousand men of arms. Then swear the King of the Hundred Knights, that was a passing good man and a young, that he would bring four thousand men of arms on horseback. Then there swore King Lot, a passing good knight, and Sir Gawain's father, that he would bring five thousand men of arms on horseback. Also there swore King Uriance, that was Gawain's father, of the land of Gore, and he would bring six thousand men of arms on horseback. And also there swore King Idris of Cornwall, that he would bring five thousand men of arms on horseback. And there swore King Cradlemas to bring five thousand men on horseback. Also there swore King Aquisance of Ireland, to bring five thousand men of arms on horseback. Also there swore King Nentris to bring five thousand men of arms on horseback. Also there swore King Carados, to bring five thousand men of arms on horseback. So their whole host was a clean men of arms on horseback, fifty thousand, and a foot ten thousand of good men's bodies. Then were they soon ready, and mounted upon horse, and sent forth their fore-riders. For these elven kings in their ways laid a siege unto the castle of Bedegrain, and so they departed and drew toward Arthur, and left few to abide at the siege. For the castle of Bedegrain was holden of King Arthur, and the men that were therein were Arthur's. Chapter 13 So by Merlin's advice there were sent four riders to skim the country, and they met with the four riders of the north, and made them to tell which way the host came, and then they told it to Arthur, and by King Ban and Boris's counsel they let burn and destroy all the country afore them. There they should ride. The king with the hundred knights met a wonder dream two nights before the battle, that there blew a great wind, and blew down their castles and their towns, and after that came a water, and bare it all away. All that heard of the seven said it was a token of a great battle. Then by counsel of Merlin, when they wist which way the elven kings would ride and lodge that night, at midnight they set upon them, as they were in their pavilions, but the scout watched by their host cried, Lords at arms, for here be your enemies at your hand. 
Chapter Fourteen. Then King Arthur and King Bane and King Bors, with their good and trusty knights, set on them so fiercely that they made them overthrow their pavilions on their heads. But the elven kings, by many prowess of arms, took a fair campaign. But there was slain that Morotai ten thousand good men's bodies, and so they had afore them a strong passage. Yet were they fifty thousand of hardy men. Then it drew toward day. Now shall ye do by mine advice, said Merlin, unto the three kings. I would that King Bane and King Bors, with their fellowship of ten thousand men, were put in a wood here beside, in an ambushment, and keep them privy, and that they be laid, or the light of the day come, and that they stir not till ye and your knights have fought with them long. And when it is daylight, dress your battle even afore them in the passage, that they may see all your host, for then will they be the more hardy, when they see you but about twenty thousand men, and cause them to be the gladder to suffer you and your host to come over the passage. All the three kings and the whole barons said that Merlin said passingly well, and it was done anon as Merlin had devised. So on the morn, when either host saw other, the host of the north was well comforted. Then to Ophius and Brastius were delivered three thousand men of arms, and they set on them fiercely in the passage, and slew on the right hand, and on the left hand, that it was wonder to tell. When that the eleven kings saw that there was so few of fellowship did such deeds of arms, they were shamed and set on them again fiercely. And there was still Ophius's horse slain under him, but he did marvellously well on foot. But the Duke of Eustace of Cambinet and King Clarence of Northumberland were alway grievous in Ophius. Then Brastius saw his fellow fared, so withal he smote the Duke with the spear. That horse and man fell down that saw King Clarence and returned unto Brastius, and either smote other so that horse and man went to earth. And so they lay long astonied, and their horses' knees brass to the hard bone. Then came Sir Kay the seneschal, with six fellows with him, and did passing well. With that came the elven kings, and there was Griflet put to the earth, horse and man, and Lucas the butler, horse and man, by King Brandagoras and King Idress, and King Aquisance. Then waxed the medley passing hard on both parties. When Sir Kay saw Griflet on foot, he rode on King Nentris and smote him down, and led his horse unto Sir Graflet, and horsed him again. Also Sir Kay with the same spear smote down King Lot and heard him passing sore. That saw the king with the hundred knights and ran unto Sir Kay and smote him down, and took his horse and gave him King Lot, whereof he said gramercy. When Sir Griflet saw Sir Kay and Lucas the butler on foot, he took a sharp spear, great and square, and rode to Pinel, a good man of arms, and smote horse and man down, and then he took his horse and gave him unto Sir Kay. Then King Lot saw King Nentris on foot. He ran unto Malot de la Roche, and smote him down, horse and man, and gave King Nentris the horse, and horsed him again. Also the king of the hundred knights saw King Edris on foot, then he ran into Gwyniart de Blois, and smote him down, horse and man, and gave King Idris the horse, and horsed him again, and King Lot smote down Clarence de la Forest Savage, and gave the horse unto Duke Eustace. And so, when they had horsed the kings again, they drew them, all eleven kings, together, and said they would be revenged of the damage that they had taken that day. 
The meanwhile came in Sir Ector with an eager countenance, and found Ulfius and Brastius on foot in great peril of death, that were foul defoiled under horse feet. Then Arthur, as a lion, ran into King Cradlement of North Wales, and smote him through the left side, that the horse and the king fell down, and then he took the horse by the rein, and led him unto Ulfius, and said, Have this horse, mine old friend, for a great need hast thou of horse. Gramercy, said Ulfius. Then Sir Arthur did so marvellously at arms, that all men had wonder. When the king with the hundred knights saw King Cradlement on foot, he ran into Sir Ector that was well horsed, Sir Kay's father, and smote horse and man down, and gave the horse unto the king, and horsed him again. And when King Arthur saw the king ride on Sir Ector's horse, he was wroth, and with his sword he smote the king on the helm, that a quarter of the helm and shield fell down, and so the sword carved down into the horse's neck. And so the king and the horse fell down to the ground. Then Sir Kay came unto Sir Morganor, seneschal with the king of the hundred knights, and smote him down, horse and man, and led the horse unto his father, Sir Ector. Then Sir Ector ran into a knight, hight Lardens, and smote horse and man down, and led the horse unto Sir Brastius, that great need have in a horse, and was greatly defoiled. When Brastius beheld Lucas the butler, that lay like a dead man under the horse's feet, and ever Sir Grefflet did marvellously for to rescue him, and there were always fourteen knights on Sir Lucas. Then Brastius smote one of them on the helm, then it went to the teeth, and he rode to another, and smote him, that the arm flew into the field. Then he went to the third, and smote him on the shoulder, that shoulder and arm flew into the field. And when Grifflet saw rescues, he smote a knight on the temples, that head and helm went to earth, and Grifflet took the horse of that knight, and led him unto Sir Lucas, and bade him mount upon the horse and revenge his hurts. For Brastius had slain a knight two four and horse Grifflet. Chapter 15 Then Lucas saw King Aquisance, the late, had slain Morris de la Roche, and Lucas ran to him with a short spear that was great, that he gave him such a fall that the horse fell down to the earth. Also Lucas found there on foot Bloas de la Flandre and Sir Gwenas, two hardy knights, and in that woodness that Lucas was in, he slew two bachelors and horsed them again. Then waxed the battle, passing hard on both parties. But Arthur was glad that his knights were horsed again, and then they fought together, that the noise and sound rang by the water and the wood. Wherefore King Bane and King Bors made them ready, and dressed their shields in harness. And they were so courageous that many knights shook and bevered for eagerness. All this while Lucas, and Guinness, and Bryant, and Bellius of Flanders, held strong medley against six kings, that was King Lot, King Nentris, King Brendagoras, King Adrest, King Urians, and King Aquisance. So with the help of Sir Kay and of Sir Griflet, they held these six kings hard, that unneath they had any power to defend them. But when Sir Arthur saw the battle would not be ended by no manner, he fared wood as a lion, and steered his horse here and there, on the right hand and on the left hand, that he stinted not till he had slain twenty knights. Also he wounded King Lot sore on the shoulder, and made him to leave that ground, for Sir Kay and Griflet do with King Arthur their great deeds of arms. Then Ulfius and Brastius and Sir Ector encountered against the Duke Eustace and King Cradlement and King Clarence of Northumberland and King Crados and against the King with the Hundred Knights. So these knights encountered with these kings, that they made them to avoid the ground, 
Then King Lot made great dole for his damages and his fellows, and said unto the ten kings, But if ye will do as I devise, we shall be slain and destroyed. Let me have the king with the hundred knights, and King Aquisance, and King Idress, and the Duke of Cambinet, and we five kings will have fifteen thousand men of arms with us, and we will go apart while ye six kings hold medley with twelve thousand, and we see that ye have foughten with them long, then will we come on fiercely, and else shall we never match them, said King Lot, but by this mean. So they departed as they were devised, and six kings made their party strong against Arthur, and made great war long. In the meanwhile brake the ambush of King Bran and King Boris, and Lyonses and Ferians had the vanguard, and they two knights met with King Idris in his fellowship, and there began a great medley of breaking of spears and smiting of swords, with slaying of men and horses, and King Idris was near at discomfiture, that saw acquiescence the king, and put Leonis's and Farians in point of death. For the Duke of Cabinet came on withal with a great fellowship, so these two knights were in great danger of their lives, that they were fain to return, but always they rescued themselves in their fellowship marvellously, when King Bor saw those knights put aback, it grieved him sore. Then he came on so fast that his fellowship seemed as black as end. When King Lot had espied King Boris, he knew him well. Then he said, O oh, Jesse, defend us from death and horrible maims, for I see well we be in great peril of death. For I see yonder a king, one of the most worshipfullest men, and one of the best knights of the world, is inclined unto his fellowship. What is he, said the king with the hundred knights? It is, said King Lot, King Bors of Gaul. I marvel how they came into this country without witting of us all. It was by Merlin's advice, said the knight. As for him, said King Carados, I will encounter with King Bors, and you will rescue me when Mister is. Go on, said they all. We will do all that we may. Then King Carados and his host rode on a soft pace till that they came as nigh King Boris as Bodrot. Then either battle let their horse run as fast as they might. And Bleoberis, that was godson unto King Boris, he bare his chief standard that he was passing good night. Now shall we see, said King Boris, how these northern Britons can bear the arms. And King Boris encountered with the knight, and smote him throughout with the spear, that he fell dead unto the earth, and after drew his sword, and did marvellous deeds of arms that all parties had great wonder thereof, and his knights failed not, but did their part, and King Caradars was smitten to the earth. When that came the king with the hundred knights, and rescued King Carados mightily by force of arms, for he was a passing good knight of a king, and but a young man. Chapter 16 By then came unto the field King Ban as fiercely as a lion, with bonds of green and thereupon gold, Ha-ha! said King Lot. We must be discomfited, for yonder I see the most valiant knight of the world, and the man of the most renown, for such two brethren as King Ban and King Bors are not living. Wherefore we must needs void or die, and but if we avoid manly and wisely there is but death. When King Ban came into the battle, he came in so fiercely that the strokes rebound again from the wood and the water. Wherefore King Lot wept for pity and dole that he saw so many good knights take their end. But through the great force of King Bane, they made both the northern battles that were departed hurled together for great dread. And the three kings and their knights slew on ever, that it was pity on to behold that multitude of the people that fled. But King Lot and King of the Hundred Knights, 
and King Morganor gathered the people together passing nightly, and a great prowess of arms, and held the battle all that day like hard. When the king of the hundred knights beheld the great damage that King Ban did, he thrust unto him with his horse, and smote him on high upon the helm. A great stroke, and a stony him sore. Then King Ban was wrought with him, and followed him fiercely. The other saw that, and cast upon his shield, and spurred his horse forward. But the stroke of King Ban fell down, and carved a cantle off the shield, and the sword slid down by the herbrick behind his back, and cut through the trapping of steel, and the horse even in two pieces, that the sword fell the earth. Then the king of the hundred knights voided the horse lightly, and with his sword he broached the horse of King Ban through and through. With that King Ban voided lightly from the dead horse, and then King Ban smote that the other so eagerly, and smote him on the helm that he fell to the earth. Also in that ear he felled King Morganor. And there was a great slaughter of good knights and much people. But then came into the press King Arthur and found King Bane, standing among dead men and dead horses, fighting on foot as a wood lion, that there came none nigh him, as far as he might reach with his sword. But he caught a grievous buffet, whereas King Arthur had great pity. And Arthur was so bloody that by his shield there might no man know him, for all was blood and brains in his sword. And as Arthur looked by him, he saw a knight that was passingly well horsed. And therewith Sir Arthur ran to him and smote him on the helm, that his sword went into his teeth, and the knight sank down to the earth dead. For I trust in God, mine ear is not such, but done of some made sore repent this. I will well, said Arthur, for I see your deeds full actual, nevertheless I might not come at you at that time. Arthur took the horse by the rein and led him unto King Ban, and said, Fair brother, have this horse, for he hath great mister thereof, and me repent the sore of your great damage. It shall be soon revenged, said King Ban, for I trust in God, mine error is not such, but some of them may sore repent this. I will well, said Arthur, for I see your deeds full actual, nevertheless, I might not come at you at that time. But when King Ban was mounted on horseback, then there began a new battle, that which was sore and hard, and passing great slaughter. And so through great force King Arthur, King Ban, and King Bors made their knights a little to withdraw them. But alway the eleven kings, with their chivalry, never turned back, and so withdrew them to a little wood, and so over a little river, and there they rested them, for on the night they might have no rest on the field. But when the elven kings and knights put them on a heap altogether, as men adreaded and out of all comfort, but there was no man might pass them. They held them so hard together, both behind and before, that King Arthur had marveled of their deeds of arms, and was passing wroth. Ah, Sir Arthur, said King Ban and King Bors, blame them not, for they do so as good men ought to do. For by my faith, said King Ban, they are the best fighting men and knights of most prowess that ever I saw or heard speak of, and those elven kings are men of great worship, and if they were longing unto you, there were no king under the heaven, had such elven knights, and of such worship. I may not love them, said Arthur, they would destroy me. That wot we well, said King Ban and King Bors, for they are your mortal enemies, and that hath been proved aforehand, and this day they have done their part, and that is great pity of their willfulness. Then all the eleven kings drew them together, and then said King Lot, Lords, ye must other ways than ye do or else the great loss is behind. Ye may see what people we have lost, and what good men we lose, because we wait always on these footmen, 
and ever in eving of one of the footmen we lose ten horsemen for him. Therefore, this is mine advice. Let us put our footmen from us, for it is near night, for the noble Arthur will not tarry on the footmen, but they may save themselves, the wood is near hand. And when we horsemen be together, look every each of you kings, let make such ordinance that none break upon pain of death. And who that seeth any man dress him to flee, lightly that he be slain, for it is better that we slay a coward, than through a coward all we to be slain. How say ye, said King Lot, answer me all ye kings. It is well said, quoth King Dentris. So said the king of the hundred knights, the same said the king of Carados, and King Urians, so did King Idres and King Brandagoras, and so did King Cradlement, and the Duke of Cabinet. The same said King Clarence and King Acquiescence, and swear they would never fail other neither for life nor death. And whoso that fled, but did as they did, should be slain. Then they amended their harness, and righted their shields, and took new spears, and set them on their thighs, and stood still as it had been a plump of wood. End of Book 1, Chapters 12 to 16